Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stratford East podcast. It's been a very exciting time here over the past couple of weeks as it was announced that we've been nominated for three Olivier Awards for last year's shows Our Lady of Cabello and Noise Flood, which was our co-production with ENO. We also just won three Off West End Awards for Equus, our co-production with English Touring Theatre. We wanted to say huge congratulations to all the winners and the nominees, particularly to Ned Bennett and Jessica Hung Hanyun for their awards. Acclaimed physical theatre company Frantic Assembly have returned to our stage with their new production I Think We're Alone, written by Sally Abbott and co-directed by Kathy Burke and Scott Graham. Following six characters, the play explores grief and loneliness as well as our need for forgiveness and human connection. We had a chat with cast members Chizzy Akadolu and Andy Turner about how they prepare themselves each night as well as how they both got into acting. I Think We Are Alone is currently playing here at Stratford East until Saturday the 21st of March before it goes out on tour. This is your only chance to see the play here in London and space is getting pretty limited so head to stratfordeast.com to book your tickets. As ever, you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at stratfordeast.com or tweet us at stratfordeast. You can also subscribe to the Stratford East podcast on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So I am joined by Chizzy and Andy. How are we doing? Hey! Hi, yeah, good. We're good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. You're very well. So we are halfway through the run here at Stratford East of I Think We're Alone. Mm-hmm. And how's it going so far? Oh, it's going brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, amazing. The, yeah, the audience's response has been fantastic. I don't think we could, could ask for better. No, not uh, at all. For those that don't know, what is the show about? It is about relationships it's about uh, it's about hope it's about connection um, and in and interlinking stories I don't really want to give too much no that's fair that's fair <laughs> I think that's about I think right. that's right that is accurate isn't it? yeah absolutely thanks mate yeah I couldn't have put it better myself and I didn't <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it's done by a company called Frantic Assembly, um, and who are Frantic Assembly? Frantic Assembly are one of the biggest um, well-known uh, physical theatre companies in the country. They are celebrating their 25th year, and this is a 25th year production. And I think we're, we're feeling doubly honoured to be in it, mm. not just the fact that we're in with Frantic, but also on their 25th anniversary. Um, they are ingenious, inventive, a little bit crazy. Um, they are absolute, yeah, absolute geniuses. Yeah, very creative. Uh, physical theatre is always a big deal for me. Anyway, so to be here is kind of I feel really lucky. Like really lucky. I lo- I love Frantic. I love all the shows. Mm. Uh, for what I've seen, I missed Othello. Go- I'm still good. Oh man, Othello. I know. Phenomenal. I know. My mate Jimmy was uh, Othello. Fantastic. Yeah. All the a very good, good friend of mine was played Bianca Minnie Crow uh, now Minnie Ayres I should say because she got married um, yeah and that was phenomenal that was the first time I'd ever seen them and I remember watching it going I want to do Frantic yeah and now, I'm, and now I'm doing Frantic so maybe I should put more things in the universe say I want to do this I want to do Netflix and Amazon show next please <laughs> <laughs> 
Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Andy is so good at the physical stuff. He's like Spider-Man. Oh, He's up and down those walls like nobody's business. <laughs> like a rat up a drain pipe. To be fair, I do love all that stuff, mm. actually. Because I was involved in the R&D originally, which is completely different to what we've got right now. Uh, there's a couple of things that we've t- like, taken from there that are in the show, but there certainly weren't any walls in there at all. <laughs> so we did when we did it uh, for the week, there was a lot of sort of uh, learning techniques and, and um, I remember, I think it was day two and we I was getting thrown all over the place in this routine, which was amazing. And I did, it was everything that I kind of imagined that uh, it would be. Mm. So yeah, we are super lucky really. Mm. What were some of the challenges that you guys faced approaching it from a movement perspective and like trying to combine it with Sally's story? How, how did that happen? Um, I don't know if there were any challenges on our end. It was more about what Scott and um, Jess wanted to devise, I guess, and you know, um, marry the two disciplines together. So for us, it was just basically about um, sitting back and watching what they came up with and then seeing if we could do it ourselves, I think. I don't really think we had any challenges, did we? Not majorly. Like, no, I think marrying, as you said, like the story and, and the physical stuff together was, I suppose, a challenge in, in, in a way. But that that's the beauty of frantic, isn't it? That you, that you, you throw yourself into, into it and see what happens. It Absolutely. doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like, it doesn't matter. And just go back and try something different because there was a there's a scene in the show uh with chizzy and i and we were rehearsing uh quite late in the day if you recall and uh oh, I know, scott yeah. chizzy and i um were trying to come up with an idea that would that would marry i suppose this is the this is it really would marry the uh physical stuff with the text we just couldn't get it. Just couldn't get it at all. Nothing. It went on for ages as well, yeah. didn't it? And I remember Kathy coming in the morning and just said, Right, listen, we're not doing any of that. We're just gonna have this, boom, 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 yeah. simple. I've and got it a line. works. It, That's it. Yeah, it just it just works yeah. it. Some yeah, some scenes just don't need all the fancy stuff. They just need the words. And this was one of them scenes. Great. One of those scenes I should say. Yeah, and it and it and it just it really flipped it completely. Because mm. we were trying to get all this physical stuff into it. To, to make the scene work, but actually Cap came in and went, actually, if you just cut that line and do this that you're already doing earlier in the show, it's going to work. And we were like, yeah. ah, okay. I suppose that's like a great example of having two co-directors. Yeah. Two different thought patterns and approaching it from different perspectives. And that must have been great in the room to have, have those different views. It's great, but it's also, I, I think sometimes a little bit confusing, but it is it is good also having two heads because they do bounce off each other really well. Yeah, they're, they're very really respectful do. towards each other. Yeah. I've never been in a room where we've had uh, two directors. So mm. I don't know whether you have, Cheers. Never. So for, mm. so it was kind of unique. And also we're work, working with the elite there, aren't we? We're working with Scott and Kath mm. and both both people were bringing in, you know, huge strengths to, to, the, to the rehearsal period. So... Uh, I've got really no complaints there. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the show deals with a lot of heavy real life 
subjects. How did you guys have to prepare for that? And how do you do that every night? Well, um, shall I? Yeah. Yeah, um, a few of the things resonate with me, especially the uh, cancer story, because my friend died on Christmas Day of cancer, and another friend um, actually died around this time last year of cancer. So it's heavy, and my aunt's got breast cancer right now, but it's heavy, but it's also it's also real life, and um, in a way, sometimes I feel like I'm able to tap into it to give a performance. Sometimes it gets away with me, and I go a little bit too deep, and other times I find that I can't tap into anything and I feel quite numb. Um, so what I do is when I come off the show is I go home and I watch things like Family Guy or The Office to, to you know, decompress, oh, yeah. absolutely. Um, and just also, I'm also, I mean, I'm one of those people who tries to stick or stay away from negativity anyway with my depression. And so I'm literally trying to stick, stay away from anything negative and anybody who's, you know, gonna bring me down because I can't, I really can't deal with people's stuff right now because I'm dealing with this play you know and in a way selfishly it's kind of a good thing because then I don't have to deal with people's nonsense you know I can say listen guys I'm, I'm so my head's in the play I can't I can't deal with that right now which is a bit selfish but also a bit selfless as well because you've got to think about yourself too you know so you can't give 100% to everything yeah and it allows you to actually do your job and get on with what you have to yeah. do because let's be honest the audience when they're sitting there they're not sitting there, um, they're, you know, they don't care what's going on in your life. They're sitting there, they've paid their money, they want to see a show. You know, so it's, you can't really, you've got to give 100% to the show and maybe hold back a little for other stuff, for your personal life. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, uh, actually we were just talking about it, weren't we, actually, in the green room a minute ago. The, a similar thing to Tizzy, actually, finding something to watch when you get home that's, um, that, that you're able to switch off from, from the show. But also for me, I tend to, uh, I always call my fiance uh, on the way home to chat about home. And then she'll send me like videos of the kids. And that is really, yeah, and that's actually, it sort of brings it back to reality actually. Because mm. they're just full of joy. Yeah. And there's no, there's, there's, there's no issues going on for them. Um, the only issue is being fed. And yeah, <laughs> a little bit of very important issue. Yeah. and toys, <laughs> and toys, and a little bit of homework for, yeah. for my for my uh, stepson. So it's kind of those things I think are, are important because you can get you can get wrapped up in the show. Mm. It's easily done because of the emotional side of everything and what we're all having to uh, put across every night. But actually, if you take a step back and and look at what's actually going on. And, and and the joyous things that are going mm. on uh, outside there. Mm. I think that's super yeah. important. And also with music for me, I just think music for this just it's the elixir of life. Yeah. And you know, I play it before I go on stage. I have to. I have to have music on. Even during the interval, I have, have music on. And I'm going home on the way home in the car. I've got music on because there's just something about music that just touches your soul and can almost cleanse. Cleanse the shit. Listening to at the moment. Oh my god! Well, the mixture. But I've just um, I've just refound a song by this group called Shift Key, as kind of dance music. It's bad tune, but mu- music go tos are Beyonce, always Beyonce. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean she. You can't, no one can touch Beyonce. No, totally. Except apart from Whitney Houston, I think Whitney Houston is probably one of the greatest singers ever. And I play a lot of her in here, and I put it on Instagram, and then they keep um, 
on the stories of when I'm getting thready and they keep taking it down because copyright. copyright. Mm. But if I put Beyonce on, it's fine. Yeah. Which really? doesn't make any sense, yeah. That's weird. Whitney always comes down. Mm. That is creepy. It's creepy, isn't it? <laughs> Whitney's watching. <laughs> I hope she is. Come on, come through me, Whitney. Come through. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good, that's, I think that's a really good point actually about music. Because I, I I I tend to listen to music or podcasts on the way, and I think podcasts are a good thing because mm. then you can sort of you can veer in those directions, sort of think about what someone what else someone else is thinking, or a story, or something else, something a genre that you really love. Mm. At the moment, I love. I just love football. Everyone knows about it in the cast. Can't, I'm not going to hide it. Do you like football? <laughs> I love it so much. You got, they were actually playing football during the um, warm-up yesterday. Wow. Yeah. 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 So that really. So Peter Crouch's podcast is what I listen to because it's hilarious, mm-hmm. and it's topical for me. So um, is yeah. he funny? He's hilarious. He's brilliant. So oh, wow. yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's a great thing to sort of switch off to and listen to that. Really. Yeah. So you need that kind of escape. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's interesting how that music <coughs> or whatever can take you back to a memory or put you in your happy oh, place because that also happens in the play. Yeah. How that song replays for two of the characters mm. and can bring back those. Music really does take you back to where you first heard it mm. sometimes. And it can be good and sometimes it can be horrible. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Are you um, surprised at all by how the audience are responding to it? Because there's... There's been a whole range of emotions felt by the audience. Is that what you guys were aiming for? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's a major roller coaster of a show, so there's a lot of laughter and there's, there have been a lot of tears uh, shed. Yeah, but like, with those tears comes happiness after it, or whatever. Yeah, because so, actually it is, it is very funny. Mm. There is a lot of humour in it, and yeah. it is ultimately incredibly uplifting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are trying to perform to the best of our abilities. We're not trying to make people cry, but people do cry because it's real. They're seeing their real lives up there. They're seeing real emotions, and we we get it because there's been times when we've cried too. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a it's a yeah. It is still uplifting, even though. Um, it do, but it doesn't have that happy ending of everybody's fine because life isn't fine. No, you know nobody has a happy ending really. At the end of the day, we all die. You know. Um, yeah, it has so, a realistic uh, yeah. view, I mm. think, mm. and that's what I think people are tapping into because mm. uh, it's relatable, and whether that be uh, uh, the comedic side or whether it be the straight side, mm. you know, people are getting all the emotions out of it, and mm. that is ultimately what we wanted to achieve. You know, for people to come away and uh, think about certain things or or phone loved ones or whatever, whatever it may be. Uh, and it's definitely happening. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, def- it's dealt with, with compassion as well, the stories. There's nothing gratuitous about it. There's no lines that are just there to make fun. It's nothing like that. Mm. But it's real. Yeah. It's very real. It feels very real. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask about how you both got into the industry. I was an extra. Um, I did a show called Bad Girls uh, for about a year, and then I did um, what a show! Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and I, was just, I just, I was just always on set going. Man, I wish I was, a, I wish I was a, a lead in this. I wish I was a lead or something. Because I just love Bad Girls, and then I did a few more bits um, uh, as an extra. And then I entered a competition called BBC Talent, where they were looking for comedy performers and writers to do a, um, a pilot 
and I got in, I was one of eight, and we uh, we did a live pilot, didn't end up doing the TV pilot. Um, and I got my then agent from that, and then just started getting bits and pieces on BBC comedy, um, and then things got better, and things got worse, and you know, you go through that period of going, is maybe this isn't for me. And I remember my dad saying to me once, um, how long are you gonna give this? I said, you gotta understand, Daddy, this is my career, this is it. You know, my mum used to say, don't give up your day job. And um, so I started a production company, which is called Don't Give Up Your Day Job. Um, and um, then in 2012, that was probably when I got my biggest break, was on Holby. Um, and um, yeah, things just got better since. Uh, mine was a different route. So when I was a kid, I used to do, I used to do Amdram with my sister. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the time, I was kind of feels like I was forced into it. How but old were you? Well, we used to go on like young, like I don't know, like eleven, twelve, or whatever. I remember like we went on this holiday, and uh, my sister was obsessed with Annie, and so like she, for the entire time, I was rehearsing for the talent show. I didn't even have a holiday. She basically forced me to do this thing. I ended up playing Daddy Warbucks. I was about 13. It's ridiculous. <laughs> if your sister's listening, can she please send us some pictures? We she need will to see be that. listening because I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get to We need to, to see it. those pictures. It's ridiculous. I didn't even win. It's what a waste of my time. But I bet you learned a lot. I learned so much from her. Yeah. So, for, for, so we are with, uh, with, with her and then... Um, did the route of uh, school and, and, and college, and then someone at, uh, at Chesterfield College, it was an old teacher of mine, Jack Price, had been to uh, Central and as an actor, and then just decided it wasn't for him to, to continue as an actor, so he, he went into teaching. He was the best uh, drama teacher I've ever had, and he was incredible. And he sort of opened my eyes to loads of uh, plays and 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 things that I'd never I'd never heard of genres I'd never heard of. Anyway, it was him who'd said to me, "You should go to drama school." And for me, it was just like that's something that never happens. Or I didn't know anybody who did that from where I'm from. Or it, yeah, it's, mm. it was never on the radar. Anyway. Another guy from my year was going up for an audition at Alva. So I said to him, well, maybe I should come, because I wasn't going to go. And he went, uh, just ring him up. So I did, so I rang him. <laughs> can, I, can I come and audition? And they were like, uh, yeah, you can come and we'll add you to the slot. It's 25 quid or whatever it was. All right. So then we, we got on a coach in the morning. The coach broke down. So we were late, I had to, we had to ring the school, and they were like, it's fine, just get here when you get here. And halfway through the audition process, which is like a half a day, so I missed half of it, and then went in, and then did a bit, and then met uh, the, uh, the lady who was running the college at the time. And then they said to me, can you, can you afford to come here? And I went, no. <laughs> and then they went, all right. And so we all went to the big hall at the end, and they were like, they just wanted to say, oh, these people stay. And my name got called out, and my friend at the time didn't, didn't. get called out. Ooh. However, it was a good thing for him, because I don't think, because he was the right kind of person who would have stayed in the business. I, I really don't, even though he was great. Mm. Uh, and then I got in. Still, right? I know, right? Damn. I know. Do you have to like, pay him royalties for every job you do? <laughs> yeah, I gave him 10% when he got So I'm not getting money. So yeah, uh, so, yeah that, that was my route in. And then 
Drama school was great for for the years. It was kind of it is it is what it is, and and but I always say that 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 like alongside of it, because I've like Chizzy had a bit up and down, up and down, and those times when it's down, and you think, well, what do I do in the meantime to generate money? Mm. Finding a job is very difficult. Finding a, a job that that the employer will be like, oh, you're an actor, yeah, no problem. Just go off and audition whenever you want. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. it just doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So I would say finding something that you enjoy alongside of it is absolutely key. Yeah. Because when you've got those downtime, you need to earn money and you need to uh, find something you like that's going to give you a similar feeling to what you actually really want to do. And also just... It's so hard because some jobs that we do, or that I've done in the past, I'm sure you have as well, been so soul destroying. And you just mm. you wake up, you go, I don't want to go and I don't want to go into work because this isn't what I want to do. But we need money to live, you know. We need money for our headshots. We need money to be able to go on auditions. And I remember um, going up for a job, and uh, it's for a company, and they, they did a concierge service, it serves service, and they said, Oh, we really like you, really like you. And uh, I said, Okay, but I am an actor. And I said, Okay, so what does that mean for us? I said. Well, if you know if a job does come up in three weeks, I would have to leave. They said, "Okay, all right. Well, thank you. We would have offered you the job, but you know, obviously we can't." And I totally get that because why would they put their eggs in in their but in one basket if I'm gonna just up and leave after a couple of weeks' time? Yeah, you know. So yeah, it's very difficult to get proper jobs. So you do end up doing the acting. Uh, the call centers and yeah. uh, the cold calling. Oh my gosh, it's just, yeah. just that's painful. Um, <clears throat> or you know, promotion work, standing at stations and handing out stuff to people. Because yeah, you, you need to work, you need to earn money. Oops, yeah, I started. I decided to quit. Right, I was like, I'm done here. So I thought, right, I need a normal job that's going to just that can progress. So I got a job at IKEA because they opened they opened an ah. IKEA in Sheffield, and I was like. Amazing. Yeah. I love IKEA. So good. Who <laughs> doesn't? Exactly. Yeah, Great, like, you know. They're hot they're, dogs. Oh. And they're brilliant, a brilliant, brilliant company to work for, I have to say. Um, and then I got an audition and was like, oh, I'll just go along. And it was like, my agent said it was for a short film. I think I've told, I haven't told you this. No. So I, it was for a short film, right? So I was like, I don't, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to London for that. She was like, no, 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 you've got to go down. I think it'd be good for you. So I said, oh, fine. So I went down, went to, <laughs> went to Portobello Road, did the audition, right? Had to sign an NDA. I was oh. like, this is ridiculous. But I enjoyed the audition, just went home, right? Uh, anyway, I got a call from my agent. They want you to come back. I said, I said well, I'm not doing it. I don't mm. think I want to do the short film. She went, you've got to go. It's not a short film. <laughs> right. but you've got to go to this particular station someone's going to pick you up and take you oh, to a studio yeah. right? and I was like this sounds ridiculous mm. so I got there this guy picked me up <laughs> and uh, and we were chatting in the, in the car and he was like oh, mate great audition that you've got going on and I was like I don't know what this is mate and he went oh okay and then got there and he went right go through that door and uh, it was for Fantastic Beast. It's incredible. Wow. Incredible. And I met, and it was David Yates who was yeah, yeah. Uh, doing the recall. Wow. What was that like? Amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. I, lo I mean, I love David anyway. I love his work. 
and uh, I'm a massive Potter fan, so this was ridiculous. Inside me, just screwed. Yeah, mm. just like it was incredible, and uh, I had the world's greatest time as an audition because I felt so relaxed about it because I was like, well, I'm quitting anyway, so if I get it, I get it, and if I don't, no, no bother. And uh, then they offered it me, and I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't quit. <laughs> So then I had to, and, and I, <laughs> but IKEA were brilliant. They, I went off and did the filming. They were so great about it. Yeah. Uh, and then I came back, and eventually I had to stop working there and, and was was busy. But it it yeah it, it was a real sort of roller coaster and a bit of a, a complete Gosh, yeah. turn on its head. Can you imagine if you if you'd said to you, I didn't know, I'm not going. Yeah, yeah. I'm, Absolutely not going to do this short film. Yeah, or if or if David hadn't offered me the job, do you know what I mean? If David had said, Nah, no, not Andy, not bothered. And so I spent six weeks working on that with Johnny Depp, and uh, that's that's the most amazing, amazing job ever. Now between that, between working with Johnny Depp and us, yeah. Which has been your favourite? Johnny Depp. Okay. <laughs> Good answer. I mean, I like you, mate, but... Yeah. I haven't worked with Johnny Depp, and I still think working with him is better than working with you, Doc. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that note, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Good me, and good luck with the rest of the run. Thank you for having Thank you. Come see the show. Please come and see the show. It's amazing. If you, if you can get a ticket, that is. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> A massive thank you to Chizzy and Andy for chatting with us. I Think We Are Alone is running until Saturday the 21st of March and you can get your tickets at stratfordeast.com. Over the coming episodes, we'll be giving you more insight into the world premiere of Welcome to Iran, as well as our next Ramps on the Moon show, Oliver Twist, and the final show in our 2020 season, Sucker Punch. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening. 